Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Right, Gabby Wilson. Anything you want to vent about before we move on? No, I'm, I'm good today. No, I mean. That request came from Lisa. <laughs> well, that's not surprising. I'll probably have some stuff to vent about tomorrow once we hear the next uh, CFP rankings, but we'll save that for then. <laughs> um, next CFP rankings. Now, Oregon won, right? Yes. Yeah. It might be status quo. I would not be surprised. Now, let me bring up something. I know we have to do the play-by-play call here. That this will infuriate you. Oh, boy. And it won't do much much for Mertz's blood pressure. (laughs) Okay? Okay. I think... Notre Dame, of all teams, is being intentionally downgraded because Cincinnati beat them. Um, that's interesting. I don't In know if words, I would... Go ahead. Listen, I mean, hear me out on the logic. Again, you're not talking to the guy in the corner office. Correct. All right. <laughs> If Notre Dame is, say, let's say seventh, Cincinnati beat them, right? Correct. You'd have a lot of questions about, well, I mean, if, you know, Notre Dame's seventh. They won the game at South Bend. I mean, shouldn't they be in the top four? But if you push Notre Dame back to the 9-10 area, it helps justify you putting Cincinnati at five. That's interesting. I've actually never thought of it that way. That's why I'm here. All right. Hmm. Uh, time now for... <laughs> <laughs> Although you have to tell me where we're going next. I know we have the play-by-play call next. We do. And then we got we got Mr. McGloin on the line here. Oh, yeah, very good. That's what we're going to do. All right. Let's uh, get to our play-by-play call of the day. Up in the air, and that's intercepted. Oh, my God, he caught it. There is a flag down. By any means necessary. Defense, number 26. <laughs> the ball be placed at the spot in the foul. Automatic first down. So now we're playing, like, faux interceptions? It was an insane play. He caught it with his rear end slash the back of his leg. It was insane. He interfered with the dude. I know, but it was still an incredible catch. You do know I never saw the play. I know, yeah. 
mean, you were a little busy. busy then, I know. Yeah. A little busy flying back up back at one this morning. Um, so I didn't see the play. Boy, the Rams are like they got, Yeah, the Rams got the Rams of, got some issues now. The Rams have a lot of big names that can't play. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Rams equal overrated, as I've said before. And the Eagles are underrated? Um, I don't know what to call the Eagles right now. I think they can go up very quickly, or but they I can still see them still having a bad loss and tracking back down again. I I, I don't know. These next two three weeks are going to tell me a lot. I think. I'm busy. All right, so <laughs> clearly, I'll see some of it. All right. Uh, let's uh, get to uh, Matt McGloin from uh, the Pater Podcast. He's on with uh, Tom Hannafin. We had Tom on the show Friday. Matt, always great to have you, my friend. Hey, what's going on, Steve? Steve, let me tell you something. I'd love, like, if you created, like, the Steve Jones Sports Almanac or something like that, where we just get, like, a you know a description of sporting events you've seen or – you know, because you're just you're an encyclopedia of sports knowledge, man. It's fun to listen to. <laughs> well, I appreciate that very much. Hey, by the way, the movie's going to be up in Scranton this weekend. It is, yes, it is. Yeah, Saving the Roar premiere up here in Scranton. Really looking forward to it. Um, we're thinking we're going to have a nice turnout. You know, and you know how you know. Uh, well, first and foremost, how special Northeast Pennsylvania is to be in the Scranton area. You know how supportive they are. Of Penn yep. State football, so it was it was really important to us to to try to put something together here to uh, to show you know the people of Scranton and the greater Scranton area this film. Um, so we're we're excited about it. And again, hopefully we have a great turnout. Yeah, I hope it's a great turnout. I know your dad asked me to come up, but with a game on Saturday and a game Monday night, I, I'm kind of in a sandwich. So I think I'm gonna... hey, you're, you're harder you're harder you're harder to get to than the president sometimes. Steve. You know, we understand you're busy. Yeah, well, I, I really appreciate your dad asked me to come up. I mean, I was like, I, mean, I really thought about it long and hard, and I thought, you know what? I don't think that makes sense for me to do this. So, you're, but, you're always welcome. You're always welcome in the Scranton area. You know, you know how much I love that area. My first two years was at the Wilkesbury campus up in Lehman. So that part of the, of, uh, the state means a lot to me. All right, Saturday's game. Uh, let's just start with, with quarterback play. Uh, you've watched Sean Clifford play this year, and his numbers are pretty close to where they were in 2019. He was about, what, uh, three, a little bit better than three to one touchdown to interceptions. He's at three to one touchdown to interceptions now. His completion percentage is higher than 2019. What are you seeing from him, pro and con? You know, I think, you know, the word I keep going back to throughout this season, especially over the past few weeks, really, is just is just frustrating. You know, I think it's frustrating for us as fans, uh, frustrating, you know, uh, for us as, you know, Penn State media analysts or whatever you want to call us. And I think it's because we know how special this year could have been for this Penn State program, how special this year could have been for Sean Clifford if he didn't have to deal with that injury at Iowa. You know, it's yeah. sad in a way. It's sad in a way because he was playing the best football of his career, and it was a pleasure to watch him week in and week out early in the season. 
But Steve, even watching him on Saturday, you could tell he's just not himself. Um, you know, so that is that's definitely been frustrating. It's been sad, you know, because you can tell how tough of a kid he is, uh, how bad he wants to win, how good of a leader he is. Um, you know, but it's just I, I just think it's been he's been a little inconsistent over the weeks, and that's it's definitely because. And again, I, I don't know for sure. You know, all I can do is sit here and speculate, obviously. But it just seems like he's not he's not a hundred percent. You know, so that's it's, it's got to be frustrating for him. You know, whenever you're, uh, I mean, nobody knows better than you do that on any play. I mean, football's the ultimate team sport. You've got to have all eleven guys execute on a given play. How tough is it when it's on a play? 10 out of 11 do it and then the next play 10 out of 11 do it but it's the different group of 10 that ends up doing it. it's not the same guy over and over again yeah no I think we saw a little bit of that on on Saturday as well a few miscommunications running backs missed a few uh pass blocking assignments um you know everybody's putting something together next thing you know offensive tackles are stuck in one-on-one situations versus David Ojabo or Aiden Hutchinson and and they get beat you know it's just you have to be dialed in every single play. There needs to be this over-communication, you know, on every single play on the sidelines. Everybody needs to know exactly what's going on. You know, a lot of that's on the quarterback. A lot of that is on Mike Yersich and James Franklin as well, making sure that, you know, everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do, what their assignment is, and, you know, you're right for how great it's been at times this year. It's also been, you know, pretty poor at times as well. So consistency is something that, you know, this offense especially hasn't had. Uh, they got some running game going on Saturday with Kevon Lee. Did you start to see a sync between that particular running back and the line at some points? Yeah, you know, it was. I mean, I've talked a lot about Kevon Lee on the podcast over the past few weeks. Uh, you know, about how he's done a much better job of just finding the crease and hitting the hole and getting and getting north south and getting positive yards. I look, I, I don't need you to get me 18, 15, 17 yards every single time, but but Steve, I need five yards. I need six yards. I need positive yards something that I can do. Now I can go run pass option. Now I can go play action. Anything just to get the secondary and these linebackers' eyes looking at me so I can get in behind them to try to create explosive pass plays. And for Kevon Lee, look, there's no doubt he's a strong runner. He's a hard runner. But he needs somebody with speed to complement him. And they haven't had that. You know, we've seen it a few times from John Lovett. We haven't seen it from Noah Kane in the past week. So I think, for, for again, for how good Kevon Lee has been at getting yards these past few weeks, he needs somebody that is going to complement him well, someone with speed, and, and right now they don't have it. All right. So it, in order to get some of those big plays, you know it takes a little longer for those, some of those bigger plays to develop. Uh, so what kind of job, what can the running backs do if they're not the one involved in the pass play to then give the quarterback that extra second he needs to make some of those splash plays? Right, well, I think you're right. It certainly starts with protection, right, pushing the football down the field. Penn State did not have time to throw the football downfield on Saturday. And 
for me, when I looked at that, I, I, I mentioned it earlier. It, it was a lot of one-on-one situations, right, five-on-five at times from that Michigan, bringing that fifth guy off the edge. And, you know, uh, Michigan's front seven, that front four is too good to to go up against you on one-on-ones, play after play, especially in that obvious, obvious passing downs. We saw it early for Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo. Hutchinson had three sacks. He had, um, you know, a hurry that uh, that led to an intentional grounding, right? You know, I, I mean, leading up to the game and the, and the breakdown, again, we did on the podcast, we talked about having running, having your running backs chipping these defensive ends before they went out, having your tight ends chip them before they went out, keeping a tight end in protection, right? Uh, keeping a running back in protection, right? Going max pro, maybe three wide receiver routes, things like that. Um, but too often pressure got in there. And again, I go back to Sean Clifford and not being, at least I don't think when you watch him, not being 100% healthy, Steve, that that clock in your head as a quarterback, it speeds up. It's saying, you got to get rid of the football now. you got to get rid of the football because I cannot continue to take big hits after big hits because I'm dealing with pain. I'm dealing with an injury. So it's forcing you to get the ball out early. It's forcing you to be inaccurate. Um, so it's just it's a combination of things, and I think we saw a lot of that in that game on noon on Saturday. Right. So then what have you thought about the defensive side of it uh, and how much pressure is on a defense when you're in a situation like this? I think, look, I, I think when you hold an opponent at home, you know, to, to 21, 21 points, I think that's enough to win the football game. I think Penn State's defense did enough to win um, that football game. Steven, you know firsthand this is something that um, when I was a part of the team in 2011, that's something we dealt with. Our offense was struggling. Our defense was winning football games for us. That's a lot of pressure to put on your defense knowing that your offense – you know, cannot score points or struggling to score points, struggling to move the football at times, are inconsistent at times. I, I thought the defense did a heck of a job of keeping everything in front of them, rallying to the ball, making tackles, right? They did their job because we knew what Michigan was. We know who Kane McNamara is as a quarterback. I think he's a very good quarterback. He's not somebody that's going to put the ball in harm's way. He's not going to give you a ton of opportunities to create turnovers. He's going to take his time. He's going to take his completion. He's going to play the field position game. He's going to try to get first downs and slowly move down the field. And I think for the most part, Pence did a pretty good job of holding him. They did a good job against Haskins as well. I thought at least eliminate him and eliminate his, his big runs. I know, I know he had you know, a buck forty, a buck fifty on the day. It's still a solid day for him. Um, but they did their job for the most part, and I think it goes back to not being able to score more than twenty-one at home. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's part of it too. Because I thought that the, for example, the touchdown they got in the fourth quarter was great punt, three and out, get the ball at, at the at the forty-seven fifty-three yard drive. That was one of those where I thought that they were showing it that, you know, that was the kind of complimentary football you're looking for, right? Yeah, 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 no doubt. I mean, that's that's exactly what you look for, right? You know, it is, uh, again, that's that's what everybody's searching for, that complimentary football, be able to run it, uh, you know, be able to throw the football and, and move down the field. All right, so, all right, uh, how tough is it now, senior week's coming up. But you work hard, you work hard, and now you get to this point where 
okay, you're looking for a validation, and you didn't get the validation you wanted Saturday. How tough is that on a football team? Uh, yeah, you know, you need a win, right? I mean, that's everyone knows it, right? It doesn't need to be talked about. Um, you know, it doesn't need to be this motivational piece that you look for because your teammates know you need a win. The coaching staff knows you need a win. The media knows you win. Fans know you need a win. Um, you, you can't. It's if you can't wait to get to Saturday, right? You know, you feel sometimes like you're in a rush because you want to get back out on that field. If you know it's a game you can win, you're trying to get back in the win column. But you gotta understand, you gotta still have to take it one day at a time. You still have to continue to prepare. Um, you know, because again, it's a, you're late in the season now. Teams are a lot better than they've been. They've gotten better each and every week, and you have a team who. You know, quite frankly, I think it's a pretty decent football team, and a team that can upset anybody at any point in time. So, you know, focusing on the task at hand is important. Um, but, you know, you find out who you are as a player. You find out how, how strong that bond is on your football team in games like this and in weeks like this, Steve. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, how um, – when you look at this um, – how tough is it, you know, you talk about how tough is it to develop on the offensive line? Because you've seen this over and over again. It's very difficult, right? It's A lot of it is about continuity. It's about guys playing with each other for a long time. Uh, it's about guys trusting one another. Um, it's about guys communicating well with one another. It's about not getting upset when things don't go well. I think at one point in time we saw a few of those Penn State offensive linemen yelling at one another. Um, you know, it's it just, it can't happen, right? Everybody needs to be doubting. You need to be on the same page. You need to see, you need to know what the call is going to be before the defense declares itself, right? Like, you have to know, hey, if I'm getting a five-down look, everybody knows it's going to be a five-down call, five-on-five. Five. If I'm getting will pressure, I got to know that either my running back's getting them or the quarterback's going to change. And we're going to go, this is all stuff you work throughout the course of the week. You shouldn't be surprised on Saturday afternoon. It shouldn't happen. Nothing. And, and at the end of the day, like so much about playing quarterback and, and, and working with the offensive line, you have rules, right? Yeah. So even if there's a new flavor of the week from – from, a, from defense in terms of pressure or a different look, apply your rules, right? Go back to some of the stuff you learned day one, day one install when you're learning new protections and things like that, and go back and apply those, right? Make a call, go play. And, you know, it's just, it seems like even this late in the year, there's a lack of communication there. Guys looking around, right? Somebody just needs to step up and take charge, Steve. Matt, always a pleasure. Appreciate it very much, my friend. At any time. Thank you so much. Matt McGloin joining us. Let's go to Terry and Winfield is on the line. Thanks for your patience. Appreciate you, man. Listen, I'm listening there. You're you're uh, you're like a uh, star. So let's face it, you're going to have this coming in like this. Listen, I uh, I'm going to tell you what I am. I'm a rookie when it comes to football. Uh, I don't know the plays, but I like to watch the excitement and everything. And on Saturday. 
I decided to watch the entire game, and uh, one of the reasons, of course, is you're broadcasting the game, and uh, uh, of course, you and Jack Ham together, I mean, come on, that's about as good as you're going to ever get, but you alone uh, have some things that I want to say to you about who you are at this. This, You make uh, uh, make it understandable to me. I don't know what the plays are, but you lay it out, and I'm not getting into the technical stuff, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, okay, that's good, and then it happens, and it, it is a gift that you have that's so amazing. And then, then the other thing is you're on Saturday, oh, boy, they got two points, they made the conversion, and I'm jumping up and down, and I'm screaming around. So <laughs> then then the bad news came. So there's where you shine again. You, you have a way of making... Uh, negatives, not so negative, and you explain things, and you're not, most broadcasters are, uh, oh, they're down just like everybody else. You're not that way. You have a gift that helps uh, bring everybody else out of the, it's like the old ABC thing, the ag- the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. You de- you limited a little bit of the agony, and I think that is a gift you have uh, that, uh, that very few broadcasters have. Uh, you go from the coach, you're into the big-time stuff, you're talking to people. You know, then you finally get to that br- microphone on Saturday, and you're talking to guys like me that don't understand it all. But you, I was so pleased, uh, even though I know they, have to, they lost, but that isn't the end of the world, and that's how you make it. Uh, you, you have that gift. Uh, I think what you are, you don't do football. You do the ability to... Uh, Receive and understand not only what it's about, but beyond the football part of it. It's uh, uh, the winning and the losing, and it, there's more to it than that. And you have a way of making that happen. That's a rare gift, Steve. And uh, with that, I, I'm going to put you in something I don't think I've ever heard a, uh, a broadcast football uh, broadcaster do, but I think you are a world-class football broadcaster. World-class. Now, that's, that's as good as it gets. And I think you need to pat yourself in the back sometimes or let somebody else do it. But I'm telling you, you are an amazing guy, and I love the way that that all transforms itself. When I got off the air, when I turned the radio off on Saturday, even the interviews you did, I, I didn't feel real bad. Yeah, you want them to win, but they didn't win, and they did their best. And so there's more to it. And you put that there in wordage and actions and, and, and the demeanor of your voice, and that's a gift that very few people have, Steve. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Jack Ham has, has been a major influence on how everything is done and how it happens and, and how I am as a broadcaster. So Jack has a lot to do with that, and Dick Girardi has a lot to do with that. And it's very kind that you were able to say that to me, and it means a lot. Thank you, Terry, very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And, yes, Jack Ham's amazing. I used to watch him when he played, and uh, that's why I'm saying the two of you together. Uh, you have a way of putting that all together, though, in a way for me as a rookie uh, to appreciate it in ways that go beyond football. So with that said, well, <laughs> go get a cup of coffee. Thank you. <laughs> that, I appreciate that. We'll, we'll turn you from a rookie into a veteran. How about that? All right. That sounds good, Steve. Nice talking with you, sir. Oh, very. Thank you so much. I'm embarrassed. Um, but that was very, very kind. Very kind. Um, he's sure he wasn't calling the suit, right? He, As far as I'm aware. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was really very kind to him. Very kind. All right, but believe me, Jack has 
tons to do with that. Dick Girardi has tons to do with that. I'm very fortunate, the people I work with. All right. We'll come back. Final half hour. Neil Kulong will be talking about the Steelers. Since it's November 16th, we'll talk about the 16-16 tie. Aha, see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I'm so clever here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Link, Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, best in new inventory, and great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Fabulous sales staff and really a great service department. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. The Steelers played to a 16-16 tie. So, Neil Kulon, quote, is fit to be tied. Welcome, sir. As always, it's great to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me in this lovely uh, tied-up week we've got here in Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, Neil, I know the NFL's topsy-turvy. I know there are no great teams. I got it. But I really thought they would just handle business, move, move on no matter what, because Detroit's just that bad. Uh, and to Detroit's credit, I thought made a series of losing plays. <laughs> And got away with it. What did you think watching this soap opera play out? I, I honestly, my thought was going back to the beat reporter days, doing the the game story uh, on deadline. That's one of those nightmare games in which you write seventeen different versions of the game before you finally get it done. And then when it's finished, it's like this still doesn't even tell the story of everything we just saw. I mean, it was it, a, a concophony of errors, top to bottom, on, on both sides, mm-hmm. and it really was a point where, to, to be cliche, neither side seemed to want to be able to win the game. You know, yeah. they had their opportunities and they gave it away. You don't see. I don't. You know, I'm not going to research the illustrious history of ties in football, but I'll bet you're not going to find many in which the game ended in a tie after one team lost two fumbles and the other team recovered both of those fumbles. You won't see a team turn the ball over in overtime and tie. I mean, they, they lose. <laughs> That's what happens in overtime. Right, exactly. Um, for the, the sequence of events that we saw, probably starting midway through the fourth quarter to the end, it, it's largely unprecedented in my in my history. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I haven't seen many games uh, like that. But I, I will say, um, I I took the Lions at eight and a half when that line first came out, and I, I thanked them for it. They're, the Steelers <laughs> are not eight and a half points better than anybody. And if we haven't figured that out by now, we probably should be looking more into our, our personal biases as to why we think they are better than anybody else. The stat that I used leading into it, I think I said this last week too, the, the, the Lions were a team that had lost six games by eight points or more. Mm-hmm. 
and had lost the other two games on 50-plus yard field goals at the end of regulation. Which of those two teams, by those descriptions, are the Steelers? The team that wins by eight and a half points or the team that wins on a last-second field goal? Yeah. Clearly, to me, it's, it's obvious which one that is. And yeah. Detroit had the ability to run the football. If they can't do anything else, they could run. Now, I did not expect what we saw no. you know, as far as the second and third quarter in which uh, the Steelers just you know, decided to, to not bother covering their gaps at all and watch Detroit running basic stuff. They didn't do anything inventive uh, in their run game at no, all. They, no. they ran it at them. That's right. And usually the, the Steelers' back seven was nowhere to be found, and they, they ran wild. That kept them in the game. When they finally got that figured out, the Steelers stopped them on eight straight drives. Right. That's really more exactly. what the Lions' problem is. They, they can't be consistent. But every team in the NFL can put two good drives together, three good drives together. You know, in Detroit's case, they got three scoring drives and missed an extra point and wound up tying the game. The Steelers, their, their highlight was the two turnovers uh, in the overtime period, and both of which were, to be fair, great defensive plays, in my opinion. I think that the, uh, um, the Deontay Johnson fumble was far more detrimental than the Frauermuth fumble was. Um, it, it, looking it up in the game book right now, so they, they stopped him at, at the 38, which is where uh, Frauermuth fumbled. Yeah. Let's say that he catches there and he's out of bounds with nothing else happening with probably three seconds left on the clock. That's a 55-yard field goal for Boswell in bad conditions, which mm-hmm. would have been a Heinz field record. There's a reason why the Heinz field record is 54 yards. I think it's 54 or 55 yards. That's the longest anyone has ever hit a field goal in that stadium. It has been up for, you know, 20-some-odd years. Right. Um, you don't hit field goals of that length at that stadium. It, Especially, especially, especially at this time of the year. Early in the year, you yeah. can. Early in the year, you can. The field's good early in the year. Exactly. The, exactly. It's, it's sunny out. The ball travels further. It's warmer. You get to mid-October on, a 50-yard field goal, they carry you off the field. Yeah. In, in, in mid-October on, at some point after one of those games, they're replacing the entire surface for a reason. Yes. That's what they're doing right now, as far as yeah. I know. They're, they're currently resodding it as we speak. Um, kicking off of that is not easy. And certainly we saw that the Lions had a problem with that. They missed a field goal in overtime. I didn't even mention that part. I mean, I don't know how many missed field goals there are in overtime, but there are not many. And um, for, for the game to end in a tie after all of that, it, it was just bizarre. And it, frankly, it, what I said during the game is that the Steelers earned every bit of that. And that really is what I've been saying all year the ups and downs of this team, the peak and valley mentality that they're going to have as a younger team that isn't nearly as talented as people think that they are. They're not terrible, but they're not good enough to show up and beat any team in the league. I don't care if they've won a game or not. And we saw that. We we saw exactly that throughout almost five full quarters of football. They are not able to just show up and not play well and, and pull off victories. And that that's the Steelers team we're going to need to get used to. And it's going to get a lot harder for them the rest of the way. We we certainly saw why in what should have been um, the fifth of a five-game winning streak for them, which would have been, in my opinion, remarkable uh, for for who they are as a team. But what we saw was probably closer to where the team really is than what we saw before that. Yeah. Uh, So now let's get to personnel. Uh, What update do you have on Ben Roethlisberger? T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh, 
let's see. There's a, a slew of injuries, which is another point that I made. Yeah. Saying there, this this is a seven and ten season for this team if they are healthier than not. And I think after this past week, what we're seeing is one of the most injured teams in the league. Yeah. Um, I, they did not rule Ben Roethlisberger out, but they might as well have. Uh, by all accounts, it sounds like he's not going to play. Um, wow. You can put your conspiracy theories hat on about why it is that he's not going to play. But um, for him to be all but ruled out early in the week doesn't sound very good. So, no, it doesn't. I mean, to have that happen on a Tuesday, like, wow. I, I mean, everybody kind of felt like Thursday he'd be back. Yeah, that was that was kind of the thought. I don't want to say the expectation, but that was the thought. They're they're clearly uh, preparing for him not to play, and you know they they're the ones in the position to know that, and they're they're right. acting accordingly. Exactly. Um, probably smart. I I might argue that you know this might be kind of like well you know what he's already missed one. Let's let him miss another one because we need him in a 17 game season this year. He fell apart at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, in their 17th game, mm-hmm. they got absolutely housed because he didn't play particularly well mm-hmm. until, you know, the second half. Right. So we need him to last. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe. I, I don't know. I think they're just dealing with, um, you know, the, the obvious ramifications that are going to come with a guy coming off COVID. And it sounded like he was pretty symptomatic. So uh, there's there's a fatigue factor that comes with that. You've got to get your conditioning back. Um and along those same lines, and, 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 and we know Mink is out. He's not going to play. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. If by I, I, oh shoot, shame on me. I, I don't know if Mike used the words he is out, but uh, it, he, he's not going to play. He's not expected to play. Um, that puts either I don't even remember what the combination of players they would have back there for him, but probably a rookie taken in the seventh round, Trey Norwood, who's played very well, uh, mm-hmm. is going to get a start against a good passing team on the road. That's you know that that's not even the worst of the Steelers' problems, but that doesn't that's not a great thing. Um, I assure you, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are looking at that um, pretty clearly in this week. That's going to be a focal point of their offensive game plan, and they have a pretty good passing team, mm-hmm. so that's going to be trouble. Um, we got the update on T.J. Watt. So really, the three most prominent Steelers players are <laughs> not looking good for this week. I feel bad for the out-of-town fans yeah. who are going to see the Steelers play. Uh, they're not getting a lot of them. They're getting what looks like a, a preseason squad uh, out for this game. But uh, MRIs were negative on T.J. Watt's knee and his hip, which I thought was interesting. The, the team announced um, during the game that he was questionable to return due to a hip injury. Whereas I think everybody looked at uh, what looked like a, a knee injury. Right. Um, turns out he had both. I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a, a, an exercise trainer. I don't know the ins and outs of all of that. But the knee looks uh, like something that might keep him out for a little bit. I wouldn't expect him to play this week. Um, we didn't get much on Melvin Ingram, but uh, he's going to be day to day. Kevin Dotson, on the other hand, was listed as week to week, which pretty much means he's not going to play this week. So you are looking at at least one backup offensive lineman at a position they don't have any depth, um, looking to start again on the road, uh, perhaps two of them. You might lose both of your guards. Um, that I, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to deal with that. DJ Finney is probably going to get to start at one position, and I would imagine um, J.C. Hassenauer will, will play the other, but you've got a guy that's going to be playing outside of what they what they have normally played uh, with the Steelers, if at all, uh, this season. 
playing as far as their interior offensive line goes. So um, that's that's going to be problematic for them, to put it mildly. Um, not having T.J. Watt on the field is definitely worse than having him on the field. Right. Uh, I don't know if Taco Charlton helps that at all, but I doubt it. Oh. The reason he's in Pittsburgh is because he's not T.J. Watt. Famously, you know, the, the, the biggest highlight of – Charlton's career to this point is he's the guy that the Cowboys did not take ahead of the Steelers, uh, who then took T.J. Watts. So mm-hmm. uh, to have Charlton on the roster and now in a position to replace T.J. Watt, I, I find interesting to to put it mildly. Um, rough situations for both sides of the ball for the Steelers heading into this game as far as injuries go. Um, I don't know what they have to do other than you know you, you've got to plow through it. That's just the way it goes in the NFL. Everybody gets uh, yeah. everybody gets tough injuries. And they're they're in for uh, a, a very interesting combination of personnel uh, heading into this game. Yeah, no question. Um, all right. So what? No, I know the conditions dictated certain things, but what was your thought on Mason Rudolph? Uh, I I did not think he played well. No, I didn't um, either. I didn't either. I mean, I, you just tell he just he seemed out of sync and rushed. It's it, the funny thing is is. You go out to a steak restaurant and somebody asks you how it was, your first thought is commenting on the steak. Mm-hmm. It seems to me more Steelers fans in support of Mason Rudolph are talking about the baked potato or the ambiance or yeah. the music, it, not the main course. Right. Uh, the, 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 interse- the interception he threw was horrendous, mm-hmm. uh, really, really bad after a very good first drive. I thought he looked yeah. sharp. Uh, they had a good plan. Um, he didn't get help with you know kind of a rough snap on on that one play, but he, he caught it and delivered the, you know delivered the ball where it needed to go, put a good ball on on uh, Deontay Johnson for a completion. We didn't see that again from Rudolph the rest of the game, in my opinion. I don't care if he completed thirty passes in five quarters or not. Uh, he wasn't sharp. He missed a lot of third downs, uh, most notably the one to the third and five late in the game to to continue a drive that they needed to have. Uh, he missed him badly, probably because he's he's throwing the ball way harder than he should, which would have led Deontay Johnson to catch the ball up the field right, right in the crosshairs of the safety or the linebacker who would have cleaned him out. Johnson stopped or slowed down at least for that exact reason. They needed that completion. They didn't need yards as much as they needed the completion. He was past the sticks. He got open on his on his stem. Rudolph's got to put the ball on him. I mean, that, that's. I'm sorry, but you're you're playing in the NFL. You've been here for four seasons. You've got to complete that pass. Yeah. And there were a lot of them. I'm not even bringing up the. I don't know what happened on the the wide open pass. It, it should have been a touchdown. To uh, all of a sudden, the 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 Jerry Rice rejuvenated Ray Ray McLeod. Yes. He's getting 14 <laughs> targets in the game. Yeah. It, 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 Ray Ray had the chance to, to to score an NFL touchdown. You know, it's wide open. He's right there. Uh, no reason, no pressure, no reason Rudolph should not have put that ball on him, and he missed badly, right. really badly. Um, those are, are shining examples of, of poor passes, and every quarterback has that. But it seemed to me the critical downs, uh, Rudolph missed a lot. Uh, he didn't throw catchable balls. Um, it, the, the pass he threw to, to James Washington, he put up a jump ball to a 5'11 receiver with a defender in front of him. Uh, he underthrew it naturally, and um, that should have been picked off, and it wasn't. But yes, it was a nice throw to to Washington to get the touchdown that he got. But uh, way more bad throws than good ones. It was not a good game for him. Um, I don't care what his stats suggested. Uh, it was not a good passing game for Rudolph at all. I don't think the stats even suggested that. To be frank with you, uh, so now the matchup with 
the Chargers, where there'll be more Steeler fans there than Charger fans. I mean, it'll feel like a home game, except with warm weather. Um, but what about the matchup, Herbert, Bosa, James? What, what's your thought on all that? Chargers are a good football team. Um, they have a lot of talent. I think they're they're coming together. Uh, it's similarly where the Steelers are kind of hoping to be uh, in a year or two. They, they've got to rebuild. They've got to, to strengthen themselves up a bit. Uh, but they're a good football team. They've, yeah. they've won some games this year. I think they they started off uh, hotter than than what uh, they're at now. But um, it's a good team. They're capable of beating. You know, I think pretty much anybody in the NFL. You have talent like that. I I, I didn't get a chance to, to really dive into uh, the the recent loss of the Vikings, but that was a tough competitive game. Um, one I'm sure that they would want to have back. But it's a young team that's going to play its second straight game at home. You always got to worry about that situation uh, when you're you're traveling uh, cross country. When you're the Steelers, the Chargers barely have to move at all. They almost get a full day of preparation uh, in their backyard that the Steelers right. don't get to have. So. Right. Um, it's it's tough. They're a good team. They they fight hard. They're competitive. Great passing game. Like I said, uh, Justin Herbert does a, a lot of really good things for them, and we're we're seeing the results of that. Um, you never know what Austin Eckler is going to do as far as injuries go. Um, I don't think he's been ruled out yet, but uh, you never know. Um, Keenan Allen's a guy that that's uh, that, that put a couple good games on the Steelers uh, in recent years. So a lot of things that they can do. They're they're diverse. Um, talented roster they distribute the ball pretty well this, this is not a good matchup for the Steelers uh, overall it might not be the most talented team they have to play left but I, I don't think they match up well with this team um, I forgot Joe Hayden in the injury report as yeah. well they might have two guys in the secondary down they're they're uh, they're gonna struggle I, I don't like their chances in this game very much um, they're gonna need to figure out a way to, to probably come up with something that the Chargers aren't expecting because that's pretty much all they have left to do I felt this was an uplifting uh, conversation. <laughs> thank you. Thank it's been you, a fun couple days. Thank you so much, Neil, heard, for raising her post game podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was a doozy. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel better, you know. And uh, tonight, uh, our gang will talk about it even more. But uh, you know, they'll probably be even have different words than you, and they won't be nice. All right. <laughs> Neil, I wish them luck too. It'll yes, be a fun week. Yeah, yes, Neil, a pleasure. Thank you so much, my friend. Definitely. Thanks for having me, Neil Kulong. I felt like I was talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to totally deny that. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Back tomorrow here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.